All right, we're gonna begin. Uh, hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Chi-Ching Kemra, she, her, hers, and I'm the co-founder of Enlightened Solutions, a workplace advocacy firm. Today is June 30th and you're joining us with a virtual City Club forum. Now, earlier this month, the Supreme Court ruled that Title IX of the Civil Rights Act, which bars discrimination based on sex, does encompass discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. While this ruling was celebrated as a progressive victory for LGBTQ rights, anti-trans discrimination and violence remain firmly embedded in American life. As our nation, begins to grapple with policing and racism in a greater cultural shift, we must not leave trans individuals out of this conversation. Trans individuals are seven times more likely to experience physical violence when interacting with the police, and nearly half of all Black transgender people have been incarcerated. Today, we'll talk with several experts and leaders about how the recent Supreme Court intersects with the racial justice movement sweeping our nation and the potential impacts it will have on the Black trans community. Now, I do want to be accountable and note that I hope that someday very soon, this particular space will be reserved for a Black trans individual to speak their truth to Cleveland and beyond as a moderator. If you would like to support queer spaces, today is Give Out Day. It is the only giving day for LGBT institutions. So if you are interested, please go to giveoutday.org. Now, before we get to the conversation, I want to thank the City Club's generous members, sponsors, and donors who support these virtual forums. For a full list, please visit cityclub.org slash thank you. You can join them in supporting their work by making a contribution or becoming a member at cityclub.org. As in every City Club forum, you can participate with your questions. Text them to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. Five seven nine four. You can also tweet them at the City Club, and we will try to work them in. And now to our panel. Joining us today, Ripley Bennett, illustrator, graphic, graphic designer, and transgender artist advocate. Next, we have Divinity Jones, trans wellness and HIV prevention coordinator at the LGBT Community Center of Greater Cleveland. And lastly, Avery Martins, Ohio Director for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE. Welcome. So, thank you. Good morning, good morning. So, um, I wanted to start out by just asking you all, just free for all, where is your heart this morning? How are we feeling? Um, mm. <clears throat> My heart has been heavy for the better half of a week. Actually, for most of the month, you know, my heart is always heavy. But this week, it's been extremely hard to see the end 
you know, because we do this work in order to not have to do this work anymore, you know? So that's the goal. Nobody wants to do this forever. This war isn't an ongoing war. It's something that we hope will end and everyone will have equality and justice and love and care and harmony. But like, this week has been very, very hard. Yeah. Absolutely. Avery? Good morning, y'all. Um, I am, yeah, my feeling a lot, right? Like the the heartbreaking kind of reality uh, that we're in, um, as well as the like fire and passion and resilience of incredible organizers around the country and around the globe, who are really um, stepping up into this moment. Um, when you know, movement elder Angela Davis says that this moment feels different than she's ever felt before. It's um, it really, you know, that's a huge statement. It says something about these, this moment that we're, that we're living in. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm here today with a, with a, a heavy and full heart. Absolutely. Lastly, divinity. The text struggle is real. Is there some? There we go. The volume is going in and out. Okay. Um, I just asked where your heart is this morning, how you're feeling. Well, me personally, it's hard to hear you guys. I don't know if, if it's on you guys' end or not, um, but it's like very muffled. Um, oh, okay. But I'm doing great. I am, um, I am here for the fight. Absolutely. So moving forward, um, just piggybacking on what you were saying, Divinity, about being here for the fight, we have centered this forum on the intersection of race, policing, and trans identity. And um, as you all know, America is going through kind of a racial reckoning, which will really influence uh, the next generations. Um, and my first question is, how does or does the greater um, movement for Black Lives online and in public spaces, does that feel like a welcoming space um, for these intersections of, of trans individuals, um, specifically and more narrowly Black trans people? No. Mm -mm. And no is a full sentence. No is a full and complete sentence. It does not. It doesn't feel safe. When I, um, this is also something that I recognized a long time ago. Um, after everything that had happened with the Black Pride 4 and all that we were doing and all that we were going through after our fight. And the fact that I had been in these streets for years, you know, fighting for Black young men being gunned down in our city, you know, my connection with, um, Black Lives Matter ever since Ferguson. And it's just like all of these things that I have been working toward, it still felt like I was not necessarily invited into the space. Now, when I first met Patrice Collars and Alicia Garza, they were on a panel in Ferguson when we all were freedom writers to go and stand with the family of Mike Brown. And they said that we need to start looking out for our trans sisters and our trans brothers and our trans family members. We need to start looking out for them because they are black as well. And then afterwards, you know, there was this continuous conversation. Well, not a continuous conversation, but a conversation that seemed to be brought up within 
forums and talks, but there was no actual actionable yeah. steps taken to make sure that that's something that's happened. I mean, there were trans people, of course, within Black Lives Matter and trans people, of course, that they worked with, you know, me and other girls um, outside of Black Lives Matter. But it's just like when other members of Black Lives Matter would say things like, wait your turn to trans women. And when we would see Black trans women being murdered all across our nation and like trans people in pain reaching out for, you know, someone to say something other than trans people. I think that's something that has been happening for a while. Like me, every time one of our girls or our family members die and we, the only people I see posting it is black trans people or white trans people, you know? And I don't see like a lot of action from, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter leaders like stepping up and saying, you know what, we're gonna march for our sisters. Because to me, it sounds like a conflict of interest to them. You know, they fight for black cis men and sometimes black cis women, but not really for black trans people. But they continue to bring up the fact that they're trying to support black trans people in every conversation because it furthers their narrative, which is something that I've seen a lot. And it really, it's harmful to see that. And this is just, like I said, this is just from my personal experience. Y'all probably feel about it in different ways, but this is what I've noticed for as long as I've been in this work. Sure. And your subject matter expertise is necessary, especially um, with my follow-up question, which is what measurable steps can we as advocates, accomplices, do to center those voices within this movement? Like what exactly can individuals that are working within the space that may not be trans or may not even be queer, what can they do to make this movement more radically inclusive as a social justice, um, as a social justice movement? Um. Um, I would say, come on, ear pods. I would say um, an actionable way that you can show up for Black trans lives is actually making sure that we are a part of every conversation, okay. not just when it feels necessary to, you know, include us. You know, when violence happens against Black trans people, like when that young woman in uh, Minnesota was beat up by that crowd of Black cis men and women in that mm-hmm. gas station parking lot, who spoke about it other than Black trans people? Absolutely. So it's like, there needs to be actions, like actions held for us. When we die, there needs to be actions held for us. I want to see the cities burning for us too. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't see the cities burning for us. I don't hear people mentioning the violence that happens to us or the violence that we face while we're still trying to protect black cisgendered men who are mostly the culprits of our murders, you know? Mm. So it's just like, it's very important to have that honest conversation that all black lives matter needs to be like in the center of this conversation, all black lives. And until you can say all Black Lives Matter, and I know that you mean trans people, and I know that you mean trans people, I don't have to ask, then you have to say it every single time, because Black Lives Matter just sounds like Black, yeah, reputable people matter, you know, not trans people. You're not real. You're figments of people's imaginations, dark, twisted fantasies that people creep up your doorstep in the middle of the night, and that's what they see you as, not a person. 
So speaking of attempting to make sure that the movement is inclusive, um, as we know, Pride Month is ending. And what I fear, of course, many of you all fear, is that um, we are not remembering the radical roots of the LGBT and, and greater than that, the trans rights movement, um, either Divinity or Avery, um, how do we protect the legacy of pride as a protest? And secondly, how can we protect pride from becoming what is now being seen as something that's more corporate or publicity sponsored as an endeavor? I don't think we can hear divinity. Avery, did you want to jump in? Yeah. As soon divinity, as soon as you get the mic situation figured out, just just interrupt me. There we go. Awesome. Um oh gosh. I mean so many things. So white folks, white queer folks, like we gotta get our stuff together, right? Like white people, we have really um, whitewashed the the LGBT community, right? Actually, more folks of color identify as being uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community than white folks, and so we've like white queer people have really made synonymous whiteness and queerness in a way that's so damaging um, and so just completely erases queer people of color and also erases the role that that whiteness and white supremacy has had in queer oppression. So if you look around the globe, um, every single anti-LGBT law that's been put on the books has actually been put there um, during the process of um, imperialism and colonization and is actually um, uh, like leftover from, from that process. Um, deciding identity and what people, um, you know how people can like deciding other other folks' identity is a is a is a tool of folks in power, right? Mm -hmm. And so LGBTQ people have existed throughout all of human history. As long as there have been people, there have been queer people, trans people, and in many um, other cultures outside of European cultures, queer and trans people are revered um, historically and currently. And so we really have to be asking ourselves this question of like, where is the root of our oppression? And it's not. Um, it, it, you know, it's actually intimately connected with with white supremacy. And so if we're gonna think about what the, you know, getting to our roots of pride, we have to understand um, not only the Stonewall riots, but the riots that happened on the West Coast 10 years prior to that. Mm. Compton's cafeteria riots, Cooper's mm -hmm. Donuts. Those were trans people of color who were fighting against police brutality. So we have to ask ourselves as well, like what is, um, what are the origins and functions of police in our culture, and why would trans people of color be um, be fighting in a rebellion against them? Uh, we really have to get get honest with ourselves about who in our community is most vulnerable and why, and what the role of police brutality and white supremacy and racism play in the not only the erasure of trans people and queer people of color, but in the like violence that's um, that's inflicted on those individuals and members of that community. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Okay, you here? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I'm here. Um, first, I want to apologize about these sunglasses. I just got dilated um, just a few minutes ago, and it's hard for me to see this real bright. Come so as you I apologize yeah. about the sunglasses. I know that's very, you know, not you appropriate. Fine. You just look extra cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we were just talking um, okay. yes, about pride being a protest and how we can protect it from being, uh, you know, very corporate. And then immediately after, I've got a question specifically for you. So. Okay, great. Um, I feel how to protect it is continue on this march. We got to remember Stonewall was built from what we're doing now. Absolutely. So we can continue on with this fight, letting people know and marching and rallying up into the streets, letting people know that, hey, this is where we're at, that we're queer, we're gay, we're not going nowhere. You know, yes, we don't have a, a, a pride festival or anything like that for this year because of the corona, but that doesn't mean that we're going to back down from our fight. Absolutely. Um, just as a programming note, in a couple of minutes, maybe about 10 to 15 minutes, we will be turning to audience questions. Okay. So if you have any questions for our panelists, please text them to 330-541-5794, um, or you can tweet them at The City Club, and we will definitely work them in. Um, I know that a question that I received yesterday specifically um, was about what the LGBT Center is doing around trans wellness. Mm -hmm. As we know, um, the trans community, uh, because of systemic oppression and because of a lot of marginalization, especially within our own community, mm -hmm. um, collectiveness and collectivity is really important. So Divinity, your work in the trans wellness space is very well known here in Cleveland. Um, can you, it, I mean, I know about it, so. Um, can you explain a little bit more about this program for individuals that are unaware about it and how can Cleveland residents, again, tangibly support trans wellness here in Northeast Ohio? Um, well, the, they can support by donating um, because we are a nonprofit and we work solely off of donations. Um, but the Trans Wellness Program that I started, um, it's been about a year now. It started uh, March 20th. And it's a program to um, build support around transgender non-binary individuals as far as um, professional and reputable legal information, as far as name changes, far as um, IDs, birth certificates, social security cards, the, the whole nine. Um, and also it helps the individuals to get reputable medical coverage because a lot of times, a lot of transgender individuals do not have medical coverage and they cannot go see a doctor. So they resort to um, back alley markets for silicone, hormones, injections, and the whole nine, which could lead to bot surgeries, you know, death, the whole nine. So we try to, um, break those barriers and have some legal and help and the right support that they need. And also um, have other transgender individuals that they could see and, and fellowship with and know that they're not in this alone. Um, because of the isolation, especially with Black trans, um, there's the isolation that's going on and, and you're feeling because you're isolated, there's no one else going through this. So that also brings up your dysphoria. So that you're thinking that, oh my God, I'm all by myself. This world don't like me. No one likes me. And then it could lead to suicide. You, you see what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. Um, 
So this program is, is not only just resources, but it's also for each other to can see each other and know that we are here and be self-validated as well. Beautiful. So again, as Divinity was saying, the best way to um, be able to, if you are able, is to definitely donate to these community organizations like the LGBT Community Center, because they do foster a sense of collective identity. And even if financially, you know, you are unable, that kind of community is necessary for such a marginalized group. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and also getting jobs. Absolutely. Individuals. So, so speaking on jobs, I do have a question just building upon the collective identity and collective care movement is mm -hmm. how do we, and this is for anyone to jump in, how do we in the 21st century with our technological advancements, with you know greater connectivity globally, how do we build political and policy leaders out of this trans collective care movement? How do we put those individuals to the forefront um, so that their subject matter expertise are able to influence policy um, across the nation and hopefully across the world. prep. So I'm gonna, I'm, this is something I feel like I've been talking about for a while. Trans people need to start seeing themselves within these policy leaders and you know, statesmen, congressmen and things like that. You know, the other day I was talking to a friend about a kid's book that I was writing and it has like these trans characters who are like the principals of a school. I don't think I've ever heard of that, you know? Um, I remember having a trans teacher once but he ended up getting fired for being trans. And it's just like, we don't get to see these kinds of like these kinds of actions being taken, you know, like trans people in positions of power, trans people molding young minds and trans people, you know, changing and influencing policy. We don't get to see that. And when we do, when we see people like Andrea Jenkins, like doing amazing things out here in this world, being a black trans woman, it starts to shift the idea for other trans people, especially young trans people, because doing this work, I realized how much the youth see you. And when they see you, they see the things that you're doing. They see that things are like possible. It's possible for them to start looking for a life that is good, to build a life that is good, you know, to have actual like meaningful relationships with people and care for one another and build community with one another because they see us doing it. It's important for them to see the work that we're doing to support each other and build with each other and making sure that there is an actionable like, uh, actionable steps taken so that trans people are included within these, you know, political races and, um, you know, hiring processes or whatnot. We need to stop blocking trans people with the very ways that white supremacy has for black people for a long time. They, they, they block us with education or with, you know, um, the sound of our names and things like that. There, there are ways that they stand in our way from getting the jobs that we very rightly deserve and we know that we can do, like jobs that don't hire you because you don't have the experience, but you can't get the experience until you get hired. So it's, you know. Perfect. That is the perfect segue. We actually just, um, again, the floor is open for you all to tweet questions um, to the City Club at the City Club. Um, on Twitter, or you can text questions to 330-541-5794. Um, we have a question right here. Um, and of course, this is my first one because I work in the space of workplace advocacy. 
this is the one that I wanted to ask first. Um, so this individual says up to 40% of employees hear jokes about transgender people in the workplace, either misgendering individuals, um, making pop culture references, negative, um, definitely negative reinforcement in the workplace. Um, what constitutes inclusivity for trans employees in the workplace? How can other employees kind of stand in the gap to protect uh, potential trans um, individuals that may be in their workspace? Um, they could actually, when these jokes are being made, they can stand up and say something about it. They can actually sneak over and, and get a hold of human resources and let them know what's going on. Um, a lot of times people that will start comments and piggyback, they're looking for a reaction. So if the other people's reaction are the same as theirs, they're going to continue it. So, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, this is not my fight. I'm going to let them do what they have to do. Oh, I have nothing to do with that. But you do have something to do with that. You actually have a lot to do with that. So if you're hearing these things, you need to speak up and say something about it. Because at the end of the day, we all have a trans person, gay person in our family or friend circle. These are people that are talking about your friend, your family member. Yes, it may not be you, just like I tell myself every day I come to work. I am fighting for the other transgender people. I'm not fighting for myself. I'm looking out for those that don't have a voice. I'm looking out for those that don't have a job. I'm looking out for those that don't have a stable living. I'm speaking for every single one. So whenever you hear something, I don't care if I'm at a bus stop. I don't care if I'm at a job. I don't care if I'm at McDonald's. I'm going to say something about it, you know, and I'm fortunate enough for people to look at me and think that I'm more passable. So they think I'm more of a straight woman. And so when they start these comments, I say something as well, too. I'll excuse me. What is the problem? Hmm. You know, transgender people, gay people also has to live, too. They have to eat. They have a family as well, too. You're not the only one. So if we all can just stand together and also challenge our straight friends and our allies to be an ally and be a friend, a lot of these things will stop. Also, what is oh, go ahead. That's sexual harassment in the workplace. Mm. Oh, exactly. You know, they, they look at transgender people as mm -hmm. sex objects, as fantasy. Mm -hmm as mm -hmm. something that's taboo, something that's forbidden. So mm -hmm. if you do get a job, that's a part of your requirement mm -hmm. is to have sex with the manager or with the CEO or whoever's in charge. That's part of it. Or, yeah, and if but even beyond that, they are sitting here tempting you to fire you if you don't, mm -hmm. you know, groping you at the water coolers. They're groping you at the printers, mm -hmm. um, looking at you all crazy. And they having like, you know, different business meetings. And then you and that person is the only ones there. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's, it's just tempting all the way around. So yeah. we have to make sure we are very vigilant. On exactly. Exactly. And making sure that we got the right access and some tools. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's more than just about like, you know, um, overtly like sexual harassment, but the fact that these jokes are being made in workplaces and it's misgendering someone, which is specifically to their, you know, gender identity, that is sexual harassment, even mm -hmm. if it's like, you know, oh yeah, so-and-so using something like, like probably calls them a tranny or something, something really like underhanded and undermined something that belittles this person. This is sexual harassment. 
That's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. And if you don't tolerate it when it comes from cis people to another cis person, you shouldn't tolerate it when it comes from a cis person to a trans person, or even a trans person to a cis person, which I wouldn't see happening, but you know, so yeah. that's for argument's sake. So we just got a really great question from one of our youth. Um, I know that greater American society likes to think that millennials like myself are the youth. Mm -mm. It's all about these Zoomers. We're not. We are absolutely not. Um, but we got a great question from a Zoomer. Um, this individual says, hi, I'm a black junior student in a predominantly all white girls school. I identify as a lesbian and run my school gay-straight alignment. I'm trying to push Black Lives Matter in discussions with Gay Straight Alliance, but I'm scared that my LGBT counterparts will use the fact that they are LGBT to brush aside their racism. In the LGBT community, how can we stop pushing the idea that being LGBT excuses you from being racist or discriminatory? I think Avery has a Avery. word. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we talked about this a little bit before, but go on. I mean, the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, like first, my heart just really goes out to that young person. Um, that is a really painful and, and nearly impossible position to be in. And I'm so sorry that, that they're getting pulled in those directions. Um, oh my gosh, all white people are racist, right? Mm -hmm. Like we live in a culture of white supremacy where our sense of self and our sense of re our relationship to the world is like culturally ingrained in us. And like all white people carry that socialization and those cultural messages with us. And so there's no like, being anti-racist is a practice, not a destin not not like a destination and a final place. And LGBTQ white people carry just as much internalized racial white superiority as straight white people. So it's just totally absurd to think that um, because you're part of one marginalized experience that that negates the um, the privilege and the social conditioning that that being white um, really is. And what, what else is so frustrating about that is that like um, in, in like uh, the criminal justice system, like in, in systems of incarceration, LGBT people are represented twice uh, to our straight counterparts. Mm -hmm. Like, so criminal justice is a queer issue. Poverty is a queer issue. We are, you know, 40% of homeless uh, youth are, are LGBT, like police brutality, systemic racism. These are overtly queer issues. And to pretend that they're not is to absolutely whitewash and, um, and and just like uphold white supremacy. And so I think that it's really hard to have those those conversations, especially if, if that person is like the sole person of color. Um, I really highly, you know, reach out to me at Surge. I can, I, I, um, I got my involvement in organizing with starting my GSA at my high school in 2001 and um and would be very happy to support that young person in um in disrupting the white supremacy that's happening in that space um yeah wonderful that is exactly how we lift as we climb so um whoever this individual is that uh sent that question definitely reach out to avery um at surge uh, so that they are able to support you um, maybe bounce ideas off of each other so that again um we're able to be a more inclusive um we're able to build a more inclusive movement especially for our zoomers so i've got a quick uh, yes or no question. Are you guys ready? Mm -hmm. 
All right, so should cisgender people include their preferred gender pronouns in email signatures or in online profiles? Yes. Yeah, sure. I think they should because um, me typically, I just consider everyone her. So if you want me to say he, you got to specify. <laughs> I call everybody they, them, theirs until I like have a moment to ask them. I like to ask, generally ask people when I'm, when I'm in front of them, I like to ask them separate from everyone else, just in case they're not exactly open or okay with, you know, a difference of like gendered, gendered identity in which they, mm -hmm. you know, uh, subscribe to. So I was just like, okay, well, let me pull you aside and I'll call them they, them, theirs, you know, oh yeah, I was just talking to them, you know, da, 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 da. And then, like I'll be sitting there with them and I'll go, so wow, a minute. Uh, what are your pronouns? Yeah. Most, yeah, most people are, when they're cis, they're just like, what? But yeah. like, when they're trans, they're like, oh, Thank you for asking. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. We're trying, we're pushing. Because I'm pushing. Like, I have my signature, um, so. Nowadays, you don't really know who's straight, who's gay, bi, androgynous. And who's trans, because gender not conforming can look like anything. And a trans yeah. woman can look yeah. like anything. So, so, it's so I think if, if we all be open to it, it'll be more respectable. Absolutely. So this, this is a like, normal practice. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and not just putting on the trans and, and, and gender non-conforming folks to be the ones mm -hmm. to do it. Like, I love when I'm in a meeting and it's not, you know, I'm not the first person to say gender pronouns. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's a great action step. <laughs> For those of you guys that are listening, that's a great action step. Be proactive if you're cisgender about your pronouns. It, it fosters some inclusivity. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, uh, very excited uh, that we have a lot of youth tuning in um, and they are asking a lot of really awesome questions. Here's another Zoomer question. Um, how do youth make an appointment to get their name changed? Um, well, me um, at the LGBT Center, we do have an age limit for our trans wellness program, um, which is 18 and, and up. Um, but a lot of times that uh, whenever you need to um, get your name changed at a younger age, you will have to go through your parent. Um, your parent will have to go down and petition City Hall. And um, sometimes it's easier because the mother um, can get it done. She can amend your birth certificate easier on her end. Um, but if you're LGBT and your parents don't know that you're in the process of doing this, it's going to be challenging because you're going to have to get them to sign for it. Um, so I typically let everyone know to just stick it out. You can also use the alias and use that name as your alias. Hmm. Um, at 18, and then you can come to the center and I can um, help you through that process on getting your name changed for that. Wonderful. So Divinity just let us know about aliases, um, using a name that you would prefer. It could be a nickname, it could be a stage name, um, until uh, you can perhaps change your name or if you have supportive parents or supportive guardians, they can help you by amending your birth certificate. Um, are there any other uh, suggestions from our panelists? about uh, name changing as a youth? Oh, oh um, <clears throat> um, I know that they have forms online that you can fill out. Um, and I know that there are um, a few organizations in Ohio specifically, there are a couple in Columbus that um, you can fill out an application in order to get your name changed. Um, and once you're approved, they'll send you a check to get it done. And you'll just like, 
send in that form with that check and then go to your court appointment and get Yes, um, we're talking about, you know, underage. Oh, underage. Underage. Yes. And you also can get a hold of uh, Equality Ohio. We have Equality Ohio yes. is extremely important. They're a team of LGBT law lawyers that fight for LGBT rights. Mm -hmm. So if you're having issues like that, um, you can have your parent get a hold of um, Equality Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, the phone number is 855-LGBT-LAW and they could um, help you out in all of those steps. Oh, well, I have a question as well. Like, I mean, if it's for the youth and you'd have to wait until they're 18, but there is such thing as like informed consent when it comes to young queer and trans people who are trying to transition and their parents aren't necessarily like, you know, helpful or mm -hmm. supportive. So when they go to like children's hospital, like there are certain doctors they can talk to who are just like, well, what do you need? Like, so, I was wondering, is there any option for them like that, you know, that is informed consent? Um, well, Ohio, and then they could actually let them know the legal ways of getting everything done the reputable way. Oh. You don't want to just try to just show up at City Hall like, oh, I want to get my name changed, and then you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I contact Equality Ohio. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can't say that more than anything on this earth contact Quality Ohio. You have issues with name changes, birth certificates, social security cards, even if you have moved into an apartment and they're trying to put you out of your house because you're LGBT or trans, call Equality Ohio. They have a fire that no one wants. <laughs> um, and I, I'm assuming the, the next person um, or the previous person that asked that question was um, asking about uh, youth in foster care. So I'm certain that that also yes. um, is encapsulated underneath that umbrella. So definitely yes. our youth in foster care, we are thinking of you. Mm -hmm. um, definitely contact uh, Equality Ohio and just for general resources, the LGBT Center of Greater Cleveland. Um, again, another program note, you can definitely tweet your questions at the City Club uh, on Twitter or text your questions. I get them directly right here um, at 330-541-5794, We have a really good question uh, right here. It's more of a reaction question. Um, so I'll start with you, Avery, and then uh, we'll work our way around. On, uh, on June 19th of this year, uh, the City Club hosted journalist Erica Smith of the LA Times. Um, and in a recent article, uh, she wrote, quote, when America is as comfortable with blackness as gayness, then you'll know we're done coming out. I'd love to know your reaction to this quote. And I'll say it one more time. When America is as comfortable with blackness as gayness, then you'll know we're done coming out. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Your um, can just be physical, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I have to think on that because I feel um, I'm not I'm not familiar with the with that person and, and I'm curious where the quote is coming from. Um, sure. Because it feels like there's an equation of like que queerness as like a white thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. Mm -hmm. Does anyone else want to? Me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay. 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 So let me tell you. Um, America is not comfortable with gayness. There are just more laws and more visible people and more white bodies to protect gayness. Mm. America is not comfortable with gayness. Because when it comes down to it, after they eradicate us black trans holes, they're going after white gays like anybody else. They're going to get rid of you too. Trust me. Mm. Um, I think um, this individual was pertaining to once that time comes. Mm. So I think um, they feel once that time comes, no one would have to hide or be shameful of being LGBT. They can just be. Um, so until that time comes, um, we're going to still march. We're still going to fight. We're still going to rally. So I think I think that's where there was coming from with this. This whole it's still tone deaf, very tone deaf. That's, it's like the, uh, that's the second part of it. There's yeah. still some under underwrites with it, but we okay. have to interpret it the way it's said. Mm. So if, if they're saying we're going to keep fighting until we don't have to. So mm -hmm. if I don't have to rally, I don't have to fight. I can just go get a job. I can just walk out the side and get the same as everyone else is getting. I'm going to continue to fight. Mm -hmm. I think that's where this is coming from. Yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, I still see like there's this heavy influence of homophobia within the black community. And this heavy, that's, that's what they're saying. They're mm -hmm. saying that once that day comes where that's no longer an issue, mm. we're going to stop coming out because we don't have to come out. We're already here. Mm -hmm. so until that day come where that's not happening anymore, mm. this is what's going to happen. I think that's where they're coming from. What I, what I heard was, you know, once blackness is as normalized as gayness, as gayness. Yeah. I'm like, but gayness still isn't normalized. Was my yeah, point. It didn't have a time limit on it. Mm -hmm. it when that day comes, mm -hmm. so we gotta think when that day come. It could be 20 more years. It could be 500 more years. But when that day do come, when you identify our blackness with our gayness, and we just could be black and we be fine. We could be gay. We can be fine. Until that day comes, that's what we're going to do. Mm. There's, there's Shifting gears back a little bit, um, as you all know, I work in the space of workplace advocacy um, with a lot of radical inclusion in the workspace. Mm -hmm. um, trans individuals are three times more likely than the general population to be unemployed, unemployed exactly. and twice as likely to live in poverty. Now, I have a bit of a thought exercise for you. Um, maybe we'll get in one or one more question until the end. Um, but here's a thought exercise. Imagine uh, you are watching someone represent your company at a college job fair. Mm -hmm. How would you communicate diversity and inclusion efforts for that organization, including efforts around transgender inclusion um, for these prospective applicants? Now, I know that um, almost everyone works in queer spaces, but if you're imagining just a, an organization that is not necessarily queer coded, um, how would you have that person, that HR director, that diversity and inclusion individual communicate those efforts at a college job fair? Well, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I don't know who was going first. Oh, no, I, I saw you getting ready to speak. So I was like, oh, well, okay. oh, 
Okay. Um, well, here at the LGBT Center, we have a have a training uh, coordinator. His name is John Lottacatiso. He also can go to businesses and organizations to do LGBT Trans 101 and uh, Safe Zone trainings. We have a lot of these trainings here at the center. A lot of places do not want these trainings. Um, I know when we had to go over and speak at the trans conference at uh, Metro for the job to trans job fair, um, I went there and I trained, I educated um, about maybe 60 to 75 people in one room with the trans one-on-one. Um, me and him came up with the trans one-on-one so that people can have a full understanding on trans, people can have a full understanding on LGBT and also a safe zone training so that you can be safe in your place, in our place. So you have to reach out to us to get these trainings. Now we have been knocking on doors and people have been shutting the doors in our face when we're trying to offer these trainings so that people can have the right tools to employ their individuals. So when you do an orientation for a job and you show on that person how to work and the right skills on how to talk and how to handle themselves, you also need to say, hey, we got some LGBT people in our community as well too. This is how you talk to them. This is how you ask for pronouns. This is how you handle that kind of situation. Also, there's some trans people that we may have hired or looking for a job or just wanted to know the right way to go. You got some training on that as well, too. The LGBT Community Center is here. We are a safe hub for LGBT. It's for those people to reach out to us and get the help and resources that we have. Now, we can try to give it to you guys, but, you know, like I said, we've been shut, the door's been shut on us quite a few times. They done took sex up out of school, sex educations up out of schools. We even had a program to train that as well, too, but they're shutting the doors, too. Parents don't want their kids to know the right way of having sex, how the right way to put the condom, the right way to use dental dam, the right way to use female internal condoms. So it's like, what's going on here? We have to look into ourselves and say, this is part of our community. Whether you like it or not, there are some gay trans people in this community. And so I need to educate my kid the right way, because even though you feel your kid is not old enough, trust and believe they're on that internet figuring it out themselves. So I really for my child to have the right res uh, respectable information versus having the wrong information. And then they get out here, then they feel you don't lie to them. Like what's going on? Kids are, you got to think, we yeah. was kids too. Once we was up under those bleachers, we was once being promiscuous doing different things ourselves. Yeah. So you think that it's just going to skip you when your kids is just not going to do that? Yeah. So you and you wanted to get things done and your parents didn't tell you nothing. Yeah. So sure definitely open and honest conversations, training. Uh -huh. Yeah. All of that. And this and it's here, it's available. All of this information is available. We just got to get over our own bias and mm. get the information that we need because knowledge is extremely powerful. If you don't have any knowledge, you're not powerful at all. And on that note, um, I did want to end with just acknowledging, uh, first and foremost, thank you for allowing me to share this space with you all, um, especially as a cis woman. Um, I think that this is highly impactful for these individuals. We've gotten so many different questions and I'm certain there will definitely be a follow-up, whether digitally or um, just us chatting online. 
Um, again, some of the organizations that were mentioned um, by our panelists, Equality Ohio, the LGBT Center of Greater Cleveland, um, and then also other queer coded organizations in Northeast Ohio that are able to help, especially our youth, um, really make sure that we grow up healthy and we, that we grow up um, strong and inclusive. Yes. So, and that's for our youth. So your yeah. kids can come here, enjoy life. They don't necessarily have to be gay, but they can understand what gay is if mm -hmm. they decide to go that way. And so as a cis woman, you should be able to want your kid to have the right tool. I mean, of course, some straight people feel like, oh my God, my, my child is not going to be gay. But if that child do decide to be gay, you want that child to be safe. You don't want your child to keep touching that stove when it's hot. You don't want your child to run out in that street when this car is coming. So you want your child to have the right resources, even if that child do be gay. So I do want to end on uh, a really current event that just uh, occurred in New York City. It was the um, March for Trans Lives, where um, individuals in New York City were wearing um, all white and mm. they were marching through the streets, um, allies, activists. Um, agitators were all there um, really attempting to wrap and envelop um, trans individuals in love and affirmation um, and also bring a more intersectional um, lens to the greater movement for Black lives. Now, as we saw that online, I want to make sure that members of the public are able to take, again, measurable steps to keep um, educating themselves about trans issues. So our last and our closing question is, um, is there an artist, an activist, an author, a musician who is trans that you would suggest, um, especially our cis allies, uh, to do some research, do a little deep dive into this person's work so they can start um, really implementing daily anti-homophobic, um, anti-anti-trans, um, research and, and understanding into their daily lives? Is there a person that you all um, think of off the top of your head? Um, and I'll start with Avery and then we'll go to Ripley and then Divinity. Oh, um, I would say I'm kind of, yeah, I would say for like white LGBTQ folks to do mm. some reading um, on the intersections like of, of everything that we've talked about today to take the initiative to do some education around how whiteness shows up in us personally, how it shows up in our social justice activism, um, and how it shows up in the worlds that we're a part of uh, more largely. Um, and I would also suggest, um, we, have, there's a, we, have, uh, we are really honored to have a living legend like still amongst us, Miss Major, who um, organized the uh, TJIJP, Transgender Gender Variant Intersex Justice Project, out of the Bay Area that's um, led by and for formerly and currently incarcerated transgender women of color. Um, and I would strongly urge um, especially white folks to to read up on um, read up on Miss Major and her and her history. Uh, there's also a documentary that uh, just came out a couple of years ago about Miss Major. So yeah, thank you. So there's a lot of um, we there's a lot of work that we have to do, especially as white queer folks to show up. Uh, in ways that challenge challenge how we hold white supremacy um, and how we perpetuate it. So really want to encourage white folks. Um, a great beginning read is um, a, a book by Paul Kivel, Undoing Racism, 
There's also um, how to be an ally. There's just, it's it's 2020, Google's available. There's so many resources. Please, uh, please reach out and do that work. Awesome. And really quickly, the name of that uh, documentary so that everyone could hear. I think it's called the Maker Documentary. Yeah, it's, yeah. There we my, go. My art is in it. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, well um, I would say, as um, educating yourself of the trans people who are doing the work, I would say um, Aaron Lang and Elle Hearns and Jay, uh, Jay Mace and Jay Marie Hill. Jay Marie Hill is also a musician, a trans musician. Um, um, Dane Aditi is also like a singer and an actress and a writer. Um, and she creates uh, fi fiction uh, for black trans folk. Um, and I would say, um, Milan Nicole Chery, like these are people that you should reach out to and that you should get to know, that you should see the work that they're doing all across this country. Um, of course, there's um, Amber Johnson with Justice uh, Fleet, and there are a whole, a whole bunch of other trans people. Also, here in Chicago, there's um, Lasaya Wade with the Brave Space Alliance. Gotcha. So lots of great names. And uh, wrapping up with you, Divinity, um, a name, artist, activist, author uh, that's trans or queer that you think uh, that especially cisgender individuals should be educating themselves with. Um, I just want to say this about white supremacy. Um, when you leave your country and come live here in colonies, what's so supremacist about that? You left your country because there were issues going on and then you had to get help on how to live here but now you feel better then so i just want to talk about that and leave that there for people to think about okay. um because you got your native americans and then you had to go to get another country to go get some more people because the native americans wasn't the type that you wanted so well, we just want to leave that there for the white supremacy are you um, saying that because you know I'm Nigerian and my country is colonized? This country is built on all countries. If we could sit there and figure that out, and there's no one supremacist than any of us, we will live better than what we are today. Beautiful. Then far as letting the cisgender people have someone to um, look up to, each transgender person's story is different. There is not... Mm -hmm set tone of how to be transgendered. There's no DNA book about it. There's no blueprints or anything like that. Each one of the transgender people, their stories are valid. Even if you're beyond your transition, if you're beginning transition, if you're non-binary in your transition, however way that is, each one of us have a different story. So what you need to do is, like I said before, educate yourself on this community, period. And um. you a better understanding on how this community works because you are a part of that community. It takes a community to raise an individual. So if we don't have a community looking to educate themselves on how to be, we're going to fall short every time. Um, like I said before, anyone is more than welcome. Cisgendered people especially are more than welcome to come into this LGBT center and ask for help on how to raise their kids and get some fully understanding on how this thing works. We've had families come in here before, and I don't believe we're going to stop having families come anymore. So if we can get along with our own bias and know that LGBT and especially trans are here, 
Mm -hmm. We can have a better understanding on how to run this world. So the LGBT Community Center is extremely open. We'll be fully open July 1st, which is tomorrow. And we are open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Every day of the week. And on Saturdays, we're open from 10 to 2. You can make an appointment to speak to any one of our staff members that can help you and guide you through any navigation that you need as far as LGBT. And also, if you want to donate, we have a donate drop box and you can go to our website, lgbtcleveland.org, and you can donate there as well. Wonderful. And on that note, I would like to remind everyone um, out there that is still listening, and I'm going to tweet it from my personal account and also tweet it from our nonprofit. If you would like to support queer spaces, specifically if you would like to root yourself in learning more and supporting trans individuals, black trans individuals, today is give out day. It is the only giving day for LGBTQ institutions. Please go to giveoutday.org. Again, give out 